Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Achtung, achtung. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. And uh, it's a lockdown first. We are outdoors. Um, I'm in a state of sensory overload because <laughs> uh, I've left London and there's wide open spaces everywhere and fields. You don't know what to do with yourself, I you? actually don't. I, 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 the drive down here was pretty bewildering, really, being, being on the road and then turning the corner and coming into this farm and seeing other people. So... I'm in a bit of a state, but um, we are here, aren't we, James? Yeah, and then you had a breakneck drive up the up the track. In your Dodge? <laughs> yes. Yes, of course. Got to get that in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think to have a preferred mode of transport that is olive drab is very strong, James. I think so. I think so. It's got a little <laughs> bit of style, hasn't it? it has. uh, and we've come into this sort of, um, this, this area of barns, and there parks up on the other side is a T-34. I mean... Yeah, just sort of casually parked next to a trailer and a, and a I don't know, a muck-spreading... Yeah, uh, um, a bit of farm trailer. machinery built yeah, by exactly. Isa Williams. It's quite something, isn't it? Yeah. Lurking. No, it really is. And, and, and with us um, is Dave and, and Dan. And Dave, you've had a bit of experience of the T-34 in many ways, um, more ways than one, because you were using them or coming up against them in some fighting in, in Africa, weren't you? Yeah, indeed. Uh, and working here in La Pertwood, I never thought I'd see another tank track again. Never mind the actual tank. Yeah, the Cubans used the T-34 quite extensively in the South African War. Uh, in Angola, they were driven by the Cubans. And um, it's actually quite scary uh, being out there and seeing tank tracks for a start. I think it's even more scary hearing the tank when it does come. It doesn't come on its own. It'll be escorted by a number of fighting vehicles. It'll also be ex escorted by helicopters. So... Um, if, you, if you've got a bit of self-preservation in you, uh, the best thing to do is to, is to lie low. So, yeah, uh, it was used very effectively by the Cubans uh, with the MPLA in the Angolan War. It's, it's the, the interested listener is obviously going to know a lot more about the activities of the T-34 during World War II. Well, yeah, I mean, let's face it, it's, it's the kind of, you know, up there with the Tiger and the Sherman, it's the most famous tank of all, isn't it? I mean, it's, in terms of kind of design and everything, it's probably the daddy, isn't well, it? it? Well, it's, it, well, yeah, and it's the, it's the, it sort of epitomises the Soviet uh, approach to things. It's mass-produced, it's rough and ready, it's not necessarily sophisticated, it's, it, it's designed to be attrited, so, um, to the tune of 44,000. 44,000 lost. 44,000 lost. something like 100,000 made. You know, when, when you uh, think that sort of, you know, only kind of 1,347 tigers were made in total, yeah. <laughs> they lost over 44,000 T-34s. Well, we'll be, I expect we'll be talking to Ben Wheatley about that sort of thing later. But it, yeah, we will it, but, be. But of course, the, 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 the things that, that, that are famous about it or it, renowned about it are its sloping armour. Glasses yep. armor, which is which the, the the theory, the principle is that because the armor's at a slope, it's effectively thicker from a yep. direct strike. Mm -hmm. It has the road wheel suspension, the Christie suspension, which is an American invention. Uh, that, that the yeah, Russians... that was on the what was it the, the M twenty eight tank that they had in 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 the US, 
wasn't That's it? right. And the, and the the Russians they bought some of those and then and then basically reverse engineered them. P- pinched the idea. But this 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 vehicle, the one we've got here, is a T thirty four eighty six, which has a eighty five eighty five rather, which is which is a gun capable of dealing with a with a Tiger tank in in theory at a, at a kilometer, which is the range on the on the steps that you really need to be able to engage German armor. Yeah. Because after all, with a with the, the gun it originally had. Um, it couldn't do that, and yeah. so these got basically served up as tiger food. <laughs> Jeez, I think yeah. it's something like a one in four um, a fatality rate in Russian tank crews. It may even be higher. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it was higher, because, I mean, if, if they built 84,070 Tiger ta- um, T-34 tanks in total and 44,000 of them are lost, I mean, obviously, they're not all going to be killed, and the, yeah. the crew aren't all going to be killed, but... When a tank gets hit, I mean, they tend to kind of yeah. are knocked out for good, particularly yeah. Russian. Yeah. You know, they I mean, at a glance, I think ugly, a, a glance what's interesting is how this is all turret. As the, when, you, when, you, when you look at it, yeah. it's an enormous turret they've got in there to fit the much bigger gun in. That the, the Russians had designed something this reliable and this easily mass-producible that was also adaptable to being upgunned because after all the British and the Americans have terrible problems especially the British because, because I mean that the, yeah that is really interesting isn't it because it, you, you're right it's absolutely enormous and one of the big problems is is the bigger the gun the bigger the turret the bigger the turret the bigger the hull you've got to have uh, which is the engine you need etc 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 but that kind of sort of disproves all that doesn't it well I think up to a point I mean the other thing is is the Soviets never have to ship these anywhere. They can drive them straight off a production line and drive them straight to yeah. a unit or stick them on a train and bring them forward. Whereas, the, the, you know, the, the British thing is always it's got to fit on a train and to, uh, uh, loading weight and all that yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, the the, loading so you end up with a smaller, a smaller um, turret ring on the, on the body of the tank and uh, that's why you can't get a 17-pounder on a Cromwell. You know that theory about the um, the 1930 Road Traffic Act? Go okay. on. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay, so the 1930 Road Traffic Act, what they, they were really worried about, that, that Britain had this incredible railway network. Yeah. And that, that what was going to happen was people were going to build ever bigger trucks and then they wouldn't use the railway anymore. Yeah. So they put this limit on the tonnage of vehicle that could be allowed on a British road in 1930. Right. So that meant that everything then had to go by freight, uh, by, 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 by rail train, freight, yeah. by yeah. train. Um, but the problem is, is, if you think about it, when you go when you go on a train on the continent, you step down onto the platform, don't you? Yeah. But you, it's much less so in 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 the UK. You yeah. Know, when you get on the train at, at Salisbury or yeah. Waterloo or whatever, you, you're almost straight onto it. So the platform height is much higher, which means you can't have anything on a trailer that is wider than, yeah, the width of a station of a yeah, station, because yeah. otherwise it's just going to crash into it. Which is why the width of your hull on a tank in, uh, in a British tank in World War II is so comparatively yeah. narrow. And yeah. of course, being narrow, that then limits what you, can put, what you could put on the turret. So the yeah. reason you haven't got a big, big, big British-made tank, you know, with a big gun early on in the war is because of the 1930 yeah. Road Traffic Act. Yeah, but when they get to the Centurion, the, the, the word comes from the war office, don't worry about putting it on trains. They, yeah. they, 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 go, they, 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 they abandon that. They say yeah. that requirement has caused us too many delays. If we're going to build this tank that's a effectively... A main battle tank. That's what we're going to have to do. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about British tanks. British we're here tanks. to talk about Russian, Russian tanks, tanks, Soviet tanks. Um, so, Dave, just tell us very quickly. I mean, how did it end up in Wiltshire? Uh, Mr. Wilfred Mull, who is an avid military collector uh, of of all sorts of World War Two and pre that, uh, decided to to buy a T-34, and it was a real privilege for me to accompany him to place called Tank Farm in Poland. <laughs> so we, we flew over. I want to go there. And um, from Warsaw, it's about a, 
it's about a 75 kilometer drive and we get to this tank farm uh, where we were met by all and sundry it's a magnificent place you know what they've been able to restore and what they've been able to build from what they have found at previous battle sites is, is really admirable so after having a look at all their bits and pieces um, these double garage doors opened and there she was in in mint condition um, it had, I don't know how long it had been taken to to uh, to build it, uh, but the next thing that happened was was Wilfred was asked to um, to drive it. So having ripped up a little bit of tarmac, which no one kind of really minded, uh, he he drove the tank in and out of of tank farm, and once he was satisfied, I think it was about an hour or two after that we we started to celebrate with a little bit of vodka. Uh, the next day we flew back. So um, after all the clearances had been given and all the shipping arrangement had been put into place, it, it came over by ship. And once landing in England, it went off to Bista, uh, where it was decommissioned. So it's all properly licensed and, and all those good things. And then uh, it was delivered to in a, in a in a tank transporter. And this is its new home. Um, is it impolite to ask... Um, well, how much would you want for it second-hand? There's, there's, there's the way of framing that question. What does the T-34 cost? Well, you can't buy them anymore. Um, so it's, it's priceless at this moment in time. I don't think it's right for me to, no. to uh, tell you what uh, it cost him. Uh, but it is very rare. And um, I, even if you had twice the amount of money that it was purchased for, you won't get one. That's a, an excellent answer. I'll take, I'll, complete, I'll take that. I think the other way of putting it is it's considerably more today than it was when it was coming off the production line in 1944. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's time to do a bit of tyre kicking, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. I mean, when, when you look at it, what's your, what's your sort of first reaction to it? Um, well, how low it is. That the, it's, got a, it's got a really low profile. That the, bo the, the body of the tank, before we get into the turret, is, is low. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm six foot three and it's... it's uh, it, head and shoulders lower than me where the I mean the driver is really low down mm. and and you know again if we if we're talking the wide open spaces of the eastern front low profile is is a good thing isn't it makes you less of a target but but also how forward the turret is is that yeah. that um this tank look it looks like it's on its haunches leaning in for the leaning in for a punch rather than um the Sherman, which I always think looks sat back, the turret's further back on the Sherman. Yeah, and one of the policies of the German panzer arm uh, in the 1930s was to make sure that the gun didn't stretch out beyond the front of the, yeah. of, of, of the hull of the, of the tank. Well, they've abandoned uh, and suddenly when they saw the T-34, they went, oh, okay, so we don't have to stick to that rule anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why Hitler afterwards was going, you know, we've got to have big guns. That's what we need, big armour, big guns. I mean, the other thing that, that you, up close you see is how rough the casting is, for instance, on the, on the turret. You've got, you know, because this is a single cast piece, isn't it? And um, uh, it, it's, really, it's really rough. And the, uh, yeah, really uh, rough. And, I mean, actual imperfections in the casting. Because that's, that's not the point. Yeah, they the just don't care about that you, stuff. You, you, you want to knock it out, knock them out quickly. It's incredible. I mean, it's a big old boy, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, but a, me right. it's, a, me know, it's but, a medium, but, isn't it, though? It is a medium, because it's only 26 tonnes, so it's a little bit lighter than the Panzer IV and the Sherman and the Cromwell and Churchill. But, you know, with that massive dollop of a turret on top, 
it's going to be pretty pretty tight inside, isn't it? You know, these these were five-man crew. The original T-34 was four, but the T-34-85 had a five-man crew. I mean, five people in that, I mean... But one of the things that strikes me is this is not a tank for people. I mean, how tall are you? Six, six, two? Six, yeah, knocking on for six, three. So we wouldn't fit in this tank, would we? Well, we're going to have to try. It's for short, it's for short people like our producer Tony, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> But he's so rough it, and ready, isn't it? Pack it, it with little is. fellas like him. Send it forward. <laughs> Poor old Tony, everyone getting at him. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah. He's going to have a field day today, but, Tony. But he's, really, but he's rough and ready, isn't it? But that's that's the point. That's the Soviet, like we said earlier, it's the Soviet approach to doing stuff. Is you, yeah. You, you, you're not... You're not building um you're not building uh bone china it's paper plates isn't it yeah yeah no absolutely uh, but also there's some really nice little features here aren't there so if you look at the um at the gun at the front it's got this this sponson we think that's the yep. right word uh, a sort of <laughs> it's just got four massive four bolts big bolts it. bolt it so on. you know if you've got your spanner you're fine yeah i mean it's all very kind of sort of um logical isn't it well, it's form and function, isn't it? Yeah, form and function, that's the phrase. Let's ask someone who knows. So, Dan, yeah. you, you, you drive this, don't you? Yeah, it's um, a steep learning curve. Um, when, I, when, I, when I came here, I literally turned up one morning and uh, the owner of the farm said, meet me at such and such a gateway. So I met him at a gateway and he said, I'm off, flagged down a red Arctic lorry. So I waited for the lorry to run up the hill and he didn't tell me there was a tank on the back. <laughs> then I had to flag down the lorry and then direct the chap into, into this barn. And, Mr. And, and the owner basically said, it's my responsibility to learn about it and start it and drive it and keep it running. How long ago was that? Last September. And how are you getting on? Not too bad. YouTube is brilliant. <laughs> I've got various manuals that I look at regularly. Um, uh, I, there's a chap up in Oxford I've phoned a few times to get helpful hints and tips from. How do you change gear again? With, with two hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it is very uh, coarse in there. Very yeah. cramped, very noisy. No matter where you turn round, you bang your head, your elbows, your knees, something. Um, it must have been horrific in there in the war years for the, for the Soviet crews. And if you don't mind me saying, you are, we were just talking about this, you are a shorter fellow. Five foot six on a good day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, w I mean, you, you're given the keys, the ignition. Where, where do you literally? Where, uh, literally, where do you start? Because the manual must be in Russian. Uh, aside from YouTube, are you, are you, have you driven tanks before? Is this your first time I'd ever been in a tank, apart <laughs> apart from a chieftain tank amazing. at the tank museum in Bovington? Right. Um, yeah, I. I when it turned up on the low loader, I was given a quick lesson from the from the guy who unloaded it. So I knew the basics from there, and the rest is is self-taught, really. What do you think of it as a machine? I think it's it's a cracking machine. Um, the build quality, like you mentioned earlier, is very rough and ready, very coarse. But that is what makes it such a a good tank. Um, Rumour has it there's more engineering in a headlight on a tiger tank than the entire T-3485. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the interesting thing about the T-3485 is that they were, they were honing the kind of speed of production with every, literally every batch that was being developed. So the T-34 was pretty rough and ready when it first came out, when it was first you know, put into the Red Army in 1940. But by 1944, they've kind of streamlined it even more as well as adding an extra crew member for the T-3485. And the track, of course, is, is, is relatively wide. I mean, compa compared to 
Panzers one through to four, this is a wider track, so it's going to do better on soft ground, better, better weight displacement against mines and things. Um, so, uh, how many hours? How many hours have you driven? You know, and where do you go? What do you do? Do you tool around in the fields here? What, what I, is I literally start it up, leave it to run for a minute to get the temperature up, get the oil pressure up, and just drive around the farm. <laughs> Sounds brilliant. <laughs> keep everything moving, keep it turned, keep the wheels turning, get it up to temperature, then back it back in here, and then we'll do that once a fortnight. Like all vehicles, you need to keep them. Oh, you've got to keep got to them, use them If they're, not, if they're not used, they just deteriorate. These tanks, they're very basic, but they can be high maintenance. I mean, I know a lot of tanks were lost from information I've picked up due to, I'm going to put it, design flaws. Everything was just bolted in quick but the gearboxes were quite weak. The engines, um, 200 hours, 250 hours out of an engine was good going. Um, and then it's just knackered and you've just got to start again putting on one in. That's how I understand hours, it. Isn't, it. isn't a lot, is it? Yeah, it's, it's it's a, 10 days. It's a 38-litre V12 diesel engine. It's about 500 horsepower. So when they're working, they're working hard. They're sucking in so much air to keep them going. The air filter design is quite, I'm going to say, poor. It wasn't very efficient. It didn't filter all the air, so lots of dust and dirt would get sucked into the engine and it would add to wear in the pistons and the heads, and that was the demise of the engine. But we're, we're talking about a tank that's, that's it's not meant to last forever, is it? It's, uh, it's for engaging the enemy, and if it makes it through that encounter then that's fine and a new one comes past it i suppose from the from, you know the, the what we if, we, if you're modern modern uh like i said you said you sat in a, a chieftain those modern vehicles they're 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 like they're built to last aren't they're they the Rolls Royce, they're, they're they? Roll, yeah but they're built to last because they're a cold war thing and you know you, you're investing a lot of money and they've got to last forever this is i mean if you said 10 days james if that yeah, Who yeah. cares if the engine blows up after yeah. 10 days? It's, it's only Because chances are they're not going to make 10 days, are that's they? Exactly, that's exactly where I was going, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. If one of these could get knocked out, say, today, it would be replaced this time tomorrow, whereas a German tank would take... It could be a week before it's replaced. Well, we need to get inside it, Yeah, we, we do. Yeah, we ain't, well, I, want to, I want to hear it running. <laughs> OK, we're going to take a brief break now while James and I control our adrenaline levels calm ourselves down and then you will hear the mighty rumble of the T-34. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, US Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics US, brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? 
Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. You join us. Um, we not only left our homes for lockdown and wandered around in the open countryside, we now decided to lock ourselves down inside the T-34. You can probably hear from the ambience on the microphone that we are now inside the tank. I'm, I'm in the turret um, by the gun sight. Uh, James is the other side. And Dan is in the driver's uh, compartment. Um, there's not a lot of room in here, is there, fellas? No, there seriously isn't. And, you know, I, I'm a bit obsessed by this thing that, that what happens when it recalls? I mean, you know, there, there really isn't much room. Well, you know what happens when it, the, the, this is the Soviet design. So the gun, will, that breach will go back as far as there is room in this. So, so it'll go back to there. OK. It'll but, but, come but, all but, the way back to, to here. You're on the other side of the turret. You are really not very far away. Uh, and you imagine this presumably, this must, this must come down, this shield, mustn't it? So what we're looking at here is a little sort of breach guard. So that's been pulled backwards at 45 degrees. So you would then push that. That goes on top. Um, you put the shell in. That then, when you, when you press fire, bang, off it goes. That comes back. I mean, bloody hell. I mean, if you're in the way there. Well, yeah. Well, You know, the thing's from, jolting around. I mean, I know most tanks the, don't don't fire on the, on the run. Yeah. But, I mean, you, it would be very easy to have your head kicked in by well, a recoil, wouldn't but it? But aside from the noise, I mean, the head-splitting noise in here when you fire that gun. And the fumes. And the fumes. And the... Um, no, no flash, obviously. But, but um, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is... is uh, and and, the, and there's a lot of it. There was a lot of this in Kent Out's tank in the book, the book that's on the Patreon, is what that you're in here. You, you, your actual sort of ability to relate to the outside world, to see targets, to see other tanks, is really, really minimal. I mean, you've got periscope there, Jim, just to your... Yeah, yeah. I've yeah and I've got, got one. Here. I've got one here. So that's a, like a, an envelope. It's like looking out of a letterbox, basically. But it's worse than that, actually. It's worse, isn't yeah. it? And then I've got the... Down here, I've got the... Beneath that, I've got the gun sight, um, which is a telescopic thing, which has got uh, measurements on it so that you can uh, c call um, distance and stuff and judge distance and everything. But, sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's super basic. Painted white in everything. It's the white white interior of that rough casting on the outside. It's a similarly rough casting on the inside. Everything painted white and attached. I've got the radio behind me. There's a little seat just to my right as well that I think is for standing on when you're looking out the... So that must be the, the commander. That, that must, must be the, the commander's yeah. position. Because this is all. This is all. There's a load of um, optics around this tu this turret hatch. This sort of fancy hatch, which has got its own periscope. Okay, so where's where's the loaders? Am I on the loader side? I think loader, you must be. The, it it you, makes no I'm sense the to have the loader. I think I'm the aimer. 
But I mean, okay, this is like the Yank Panther because it makes no sense to have the loader on this side because most people are right-handed. All right, well, there we go. And then, presumably, Dan, that you, Dan's in the driver's seat. He has actually got a seat. But there must have been a seat there as well on your right. There'd have been a seat here. Um, there'd have been a 7.62mm machine gun through there, which could be removed and taken out into the field. But that's your five crew, then. So you, you're, you're, the, you're the gunner, I'm the loader, there's the tank commander, and there's the... But that is... I mean, that is really cramped. I mean, you know... It's really, really, I mean, really cramped. It hasn't happened yet, but if someone broke wind in here... Yeah. I mean, aside from everything else, that would be pretty unpleasant, wouldn't it? That would be unpleasant. <laughs> and I should just point out that, you know, you were just taking the piss out of Tony a moment ago for being a little bit of a hobbit. No, and, but and, and he's winning. He, he's, well, he, he's still looking a bit cramped here. You've got your head yeah. at an angle, Tony. I mean, I mean we're stood on... The other thing is, we're, it, 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 we are stood on ammunition boxes. So uh, th there's cases on the floor of the tank containing ammunition. I mean, I know... In the you've got to get those out. I mean, how the hell do you do that? Well, you... You practised a lot, I imagine. And that's the other Have thing. You got we're a... entering this environment completely alienly. We we, yes. we know nothing about the training, the familiarity that men would have had with all this. It's um, you know, but I mean, it it's super cramped, and you know, you also know if something comes through the side of that turret, from we're all we're all brown bread, aren't we? Yeah. Um, I, I've got a little, I've got a little, um, uh, um, a little periscope here, or a little uh, a viewing slit here. Uh, uh, that really is a slit on I the mean, side of the on the side of the turret. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. that is actually smaller than the large envelope yeah. thing that they have at the post office. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's really absolutely. You can see diddly squat with that. Well, goodness me! Thank God I wasn't a so, Russian so, tanker. Is all I can say. So, Dan, what have you what, what have you got in front of you here? I've lots of writing in Cyrillic. Lots of lots of Russian writing, um, which I'm still learning. The main ones I need to be interested in are the oil pressure, which is on the right hand side. So we've got three dials, little round dials in a row, and the water temperature. Yeah. And then the one on the side. Speed. Uh, engine revs. Yeah. And the one below is that is that that's the speedo. Uh, speeds and I I believe that's I don't know if that's to be honest I don't know if that is hours. Or kilometres. I'm <laughs> guessing it's kilometres. Um, it's, it's how I understand it. It's a 24 volt system, but all the internal electrics for the communications and the interior lights are 12 volts. Uh, by my feet, we have a compressed air tank. Yes. Um, I asked when it was delivered. I asked what that was for, and that is an alternative starting mechanism. So you've got your two steering levers here. Yeah. I, should, I should add that they've got absolutely no frills on them at all. Whether when they came off the factory they actually had a grip around the top, I'm not sure, but they certainly don't have them now. You, you really need to be like Popeye to drive one of these. Everything is an effort and everything is, is just heavy, but okay. you get used to it. Incredible. Yeah, it is really, really and incredible. You, it, you, um, you know, the, this environment is sort of uh, plain enough, isn't it? But imagine in a, on a sweltering hot summer day, with the engine going, how hot, how how boiling hot it must be in here, and then in the opposite end of it, in the winter, it, it um, well, I suppose in the winter you're kept warm by the engine, so you, you're 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 winning in that um, uh, situation. Yeah, but Al, just think about all the fumes you're getting. Oh yeah, no, I know, I know, I'm not. Well, no, I know. You never get it past health and safety this day in this day and age, James. You're right. It's very cramped in here, but on the flip side, I have sat in a chieftain tank, and although the chieftain tank is bigger. You've probably got each person's got more manoeuvrability room in here than the chief. Yes, it's a sort of open compartment. This isn't it? By comparison, um, sat in the chieftain as well. In the chieftain, you're sort of you're in your seat, aren't you? And you've got everything around you that you need. You're in your space, and that's it. 
Whereas that, you know, I suppose in an idle moment, you can stretch your legs in here. Yes. I mean, one of the things about tanks, isn't it, is that they're incredibly complex things. And in a time of total war, what you want is lots and lots and lots of them. Numbers really, really does count. So you want to keep your very complicated thing as simple as you possibly can. Yeah. Uh, And on that basis, this is obviously winning a lot of points. So what happens when you start it up, Dan? Yeah. Right. Basically, all normal checks. Check it's in neutral. Yeah. To my left, we have an isolator switch. Yeah. Uh, when it's not running, you can just cut all power so nothing gets drained. So I need to engage the engage the power. Even that was a bit of an effort. Uh, everything is stiff and big springs. Um, next thing, you need to prime the engine with to get the oil pressure up because it's like I say, it's a big V12, 38 liter engine. Um, you need to get all the oil around the top of the engine first. So, I'll get the right button. Prime, check the dial, we need to get that up to around the, the one mark. Right. You can hear the, the electric motor pumping the oil around the engine now. Oh yeah, the dial started. And it, the pressure's going up, the noise dulls. Yep. And now the main bit, I have another push button on my onto my side, little red button, the, yes. go, the go button. Yeah. So I've got bring, your hand throttle bring, on, the, on your right. Yeah, I'll bring the hand throttle to get about three quarters of the way up. Yeah. To get it to roughly on the tick over mode. Yeah. Double check the oil pressure again. And press go, and it is immensely noisy. <laughs> And we're off. Right. Well, we've um, obviously we've we've put it in neutral and turned it off. Put the handbrake on. Yeah, I got um, a bit bashed about then. I'm not going to lie. I, well, I, yes, I've a, I've a, uh, a gnarly elbow as a result. I mean, that's the thing. Once it starts moving, there is no predicting what it's. This isn't this isn't a smooth ride with uh, big soft shock absorbers, is it? There's no predicting which way you're going to end up, even though you're in the vehicle. I mean, I suppose if you're the driver, Dan, you know roughly where you're. Where you might bang your head, what you might bang your head on next. I'm okay when I'm driving it because I'm sat in the seat and I've got my hands on the controls. If anyone's a passenger, like you said, if they don't necessarily know when I'm going to turn left, and it's quite a sharp movement, so you get thrown to the side anyway, and then it's elbows, hips, and heads. You've just got to hold tight. I mean, they did wear a sort of padded padded outfit didn't they uh russian tankers anyway so they, yeah they did they had that sort of line padded jerky yeah thing, didn't padded, they? But, padded helmet but i mean i don't know i was just watching you do, i mean you know sort of like two hands on on just to just to get the whole oil we, pump going in the first place we were at quite a lowish speed i only got into second gear yeah um, when you do get into top gear the top speed is supposed to be about 45 kilometers an hour but judging by the age of this i would probably take 10 10 kilometers off that yeah it, the steering does become lighter, I'd say. Faster you go. Yes, but then when you coast into a stop, 
then the steering virtually becomes non-existent. Yeah. So you have to really slow down gently, but keep the revs up to, because you need the revs to drive one track round. Because in your coasting, there's no drive power to actually turn. So yeah, this going fast is the easy bit. It's the slow, slowing up and stopping is the hard bit. <laughs> I was just, I mean, it's just brutal, isn't it? I mean, yeah. and also the other thing was within within just a, a, a matter of moments of the engine being switched on, you could smell all the fumes yes, sort of starting to swirl around it's, inside. Yes, if you're, for fans of diesel, it's your ideal environment. I mean, it, it, I, I thought and the other thing we remarked on this as we climbed out is it took us ages to to get out all elbows and knees and everything it, i imagine getting out of one of these in a rush you you know you got more impetus to get you out because you don't want to like boil alive in in a diesel and cordite fireball but i mean they're not they're not easy to get out of are they no not at all not at all i mean i suppose you've got that hatch as well which we weren't using because there's two hatches at the top of the turret yeah um you, could you get out of the driver's hatch you probably could couldn't you i have been in out a few times but I'm not, I'm not exactly huge, and it's uh, quite cramped for me. And you have to be a bit of a contortionist to bend yourself in various positions to get yourself in and out anyway. And I dread to think what it would be like going out the escape hatch in the floor. Well, that's if the tank's knocked over and all that sort of thing. I mean, if it's on its side, getting out's going to be all that more difficult, isn't it? I think that's, that's our lunch arriving in the distance there. I, I noticed on the side of the tank here, there's, there's some numbers sort of uh, etched into the, into the side of the turret. Do, do you know what those are, Dan? Yeah, I only found out recently, literally in the last week or so, I was doing some more reading on the tank. And although they're very rough and ready, readily produced, they were checked off number, multiples of times. And it's, it's a rudimentary quality control stamp. And all over the tank, you will find these stamps bashed into the into the bodywork. So, what do you think they're looking at there? They're looking at yes, it's a little bit rough, but um, I'll sign it off. This well looks is dirty but strong. <laughs> it is, it looks it? a little bust. I mean, because the, the welding. I mean, at, at a glance, there's another one, T four one one six one one. The welding of the lid of the you know the top of the turret to the main casting. I mean, it, and we'll po- we'll be posting photos of this. Um, of some of this detail when we when we put this podcast out that's a very very rough weld i mean you'd, you'd not pass your uh, gvnq would you at technical college with a weld like that that's terrible though. Look, look at all the spoil on that it's awful and uh, this is this is extra fuel or is it yeah. or is, is it just for, for stowage there's eight fuel tanks in total yep the three on the top hold around 270 liters so the remaining fuel is kept on the six internal tanks and there's a, basically a big stopcock tap inside the turret and you just keep an eye on it or they would have kept the soldiers would have kept an eye on it and just turn the valve around to the next tank it when in in operation i'm absolutely gobsmacked by this i really am i mean i knew they were going to be rudimentary and i knew it's going to be crude but this is you know once you're inside it and the engine's going but, all those fumes it's it's something else but isn't it? it's as an expression of culture if, if the technology is an expression of culture this is it, isn't it? This is yeah. this is the Soviet Union we're standing on, yep. looking at here, and 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 it worked. That's deep the, battle with deep battle, but also, um, you know, and and we talked about this before. Like, not really that bothered about how many of your own people uh, uh, cop yeah. it. Yeah, because you got more. Because you got more. There'll be more along. There'll be another shock army along in a minute. If you didn't like this shock I mean, army, yeah, there'll be amazing, another shock army along in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but it is amazing, isn't it? You know, you sort of think of those first first sort of couple of months of Barbarossa. 
you know, and in, in they've overwhelmed some gargantuan number of, you know, three quarters of a million men. Yeah. Um, and yet, within another six weeks, they've got another 85 divisions formed or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just yeah. mind-numbing. Yeah, the numbers, numbers. Are, the numbers are incredible. You know, the German reply to this, of course, is the Panther, which yep. is which we've talked about before. It's complexity. It's sort of highfalutin um, uh, suspension. You know, this this is road wheels, dead simple Christie suspension. They take the they take that with the Panther and do the interleaving wheels, and it's sort of overcomplicated and silly. So, yeah, yeah. in a way, again, a representation looks great. looks great, but it's the representation of its culture that, that, that it comes from. Anyway, this is fantastic. Thank you so much, Dan. For yeah, uh, thank you. Proper schoolboy thrills there. <laughs> well, amazing. Well, I think I think that's time for lunch. It's time for lunch. Um, it's a beautiful sunny afternoon here yeah, in Wiltshire. Really um, um, you're, you're just about coming to your senses, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> too much green. I can't cope with all the bloody green. <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheerio. Bye bye.